0: الله الرحمن الرحيم العالمين rahim alamin sayyidina sayyidina habibina I want to connect a couple of things as a reminder for myself and for others in order for the ramadan to be more charged with good energy and of benefit obviously everybody understands that ramadan is the month of the quran not everybody because i remember before i went to study someone said oh the ramadan is the month of the quran and then xyz and he kept talking it's like, how's Ramadan the month of the Quran? What does that even mean? Obviously, it's stark ignorance. Allah Ta'ala Himself says we read the ayat in the beginning from the Real Salihin. Shahru Ramadan Al-Ladi Qur'an, ila akhir al that this is the month of Ramadan in which the Quran was revealed. And then there's this whole discussion what does it mean it was revealed in Ramadan? It was revealed in Laylatul Qadr. What does that mean in Laylatul Qadr? If it's ayat given to the Rasul ﷺ over the course of decades. That this Mubarak transcription of these words were brought from the loh mahfud into the sama dunya. And with it came immense barakah. A reminder what the Qur'an is. Because for many of us experientially, the Qur'an is the nurani qa'idah that we read, that we had a bismillah party, that we had an Amin party. I never had any of those things, by the way. But many of us have it, and I endorse this. It's good. It's a good thing, mashallah. I think, you know, at, at some point or another, Arabs used to mock desis for having these things because for them it's just Arabic. They're just learning how to read. But now, sadly, we have to have these things for the Arab children as well because they don't know how to read anymore. Even in Arab countries, forget about it in America. So go ahead and do it. Throw a party for your kids. The point is, is what? Culturally, this is the way we experience it, and this experience is etched into our minds. You have to grow out of it though. Just like a boy, when he's a little boy, girls are gross and then at some point they stop being gross. Or sometimes they become very... Whatever it is, they grow out of it. And vice versa for the ladies too. They grow out of it. You have to grow out of it. What is the Qur'an? The letters of the Qur'an are like a pointer. They are a delil to the, that of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the letters are created the huruf alif ba ta'atha are created the sounds that of the qari reciting are created the pages of the mushaf are created but somehow or another through them there is a wasila, a connection that invokes the kalam of Allah ta'ala it invokes Allah ta'ala's eternal and uncreated sifa which the Anbiya alayhi wasalam heard and which you hear with your ears, but also with your heart, also with your hands, also with your feet, with your head, with your chest, with every part of your being. This has an effect on a person. This is why certain ayat of the Qur'an will have your sins forgiven, certain ayat of the Qur'an will, will cure the sick, certain ayat of the Qur'an will heal different disabilities that people have, certain ayat of the Qur'an will get you out of a speeding ticket, certain ayat, there's something in the Qur'an for everyone, for everything. Why? because it's in invocation of the only one who's the Musabib al-asbab, the only one who makes any effect occur in this universe, who's Allah. Everything is intermediated between us and Allah. 100% intermediated only by, between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Think about it. The entire heavens and the earth, the Big Bang occurred, they say, occurred from a singularity, an infinite amount of matter and energy in an infinitesimal space. By definition... The word singularity implies it's completely uniform. But from it, we see all kinds of variation. Allah Ta'ala is the one who made it, Allah Ta'ala is the one who did it, and Allah Ta'ala made it make form, not based on طبيع, that because negative attracts positive and it repels negative, and because of this force and because of that force. I'm not saying those things don't exist. They have a reality at some level. But from singularity you see all of this variation. This is a proof for a person who ponders and who thinks that there's day and there's night, there's all sorts of variation in the creation. Subhanallah, that's the sign of creation that everything should be in some sort of duality. There should be one thing and there's another thing. All of it implies that the one who's doing it is doing it not out of compulsion. Like positive is compelled to be attracted to negative and to repel positive. This is the call of the tabayirin that somehow or another, all matter has a particular set way it has to behave. Which is what it kind of looks like at certain level. But in the big picture, none of it makes any sense. In the... At some level, we see everything tends, every system tends toward chaos and decay. But then you look at the grand order outside and you realize that's not the entire story. All of it distracts a person from connecting to the only one who's doing anything in the first place. All of these things in them, there's a sign that the only one doing anything in the first place is Allah. This is not just something that you have to talk about the Big Bang or some sort of new revelation, and I use the word intentionally, it's not a revelation at all, that's some sort of new revelation, science and technology tells us. The ancient people, you know the philosopher, you know Ghazali wrote a rudd against the philosophers? This is the standard Desi, uh, uneducated dialogue, which then stupid people from the other aqwam then listen and repeat as well. They say, oh, Ghazali was, you know, he was against the Mu'tazila and he was against the philosophers and because of that, he stunted all of the intellectual growth in the Muslim world. This is a like standard thing with stupid people who don't read Arabic say. You know, the philosophers he was talking about, it's not just philosophy, the love of wisdom, Ghazali is against it, right? I challenge anyone to prove to me from anything he wrote that he hates wisdom. The philosophers he's talking about are the peripatetic philosophers, the people who were the ones who were basically the custodians of the Achida of pagan Greek thought upon which, you know, upon the platform of which, you know, platonic and other types of old Hellenistic thinking were built. One of the things that the, one of the things that the philosophia, not philosophers, the peripatetic philosophers. that those particular school, that particular school that called themselves the philosophers, even though they were a particular school of philosophy, they weren't all of philosophy. They used to think that the world is a place of chaos and dis- disarray and mischief, and the heavens are perfect. They all move in one perfect order. By what kind of perfect order is the stars are going supernova and planets are doing the, cra- crashing into each other? And like, Have you seen Uranus? The thing was literally tilted on its side and it's like, uh, rolling instead of like rotating in its circle, it's like rolling on its side and you know, it's rotation is retrograde. It's against the, the grain of the entire rest of the solar system. Venus, it's rotation is retrograde. All of these marks of chaos and of calamity on literally every single planet in the solar system. You see order in it and it tells you order is possible. You see chaos in it as well, however. And all of these materialists around the scientists, well, evolution guided this to this and to that. Does evolution guide people? Does Allah guide living things? I'm the one, all of the like macho Muslim Twitter like gets up on me for being evolution movie. But even I didn't buy into evolution that much to think that it has some sort of intellect or will of its own well you see the universe did this and then the universe did that and the uni- does the universe have anything that it's going to do other than rocks like smacking into rocks and colliding with each other or joining up with one another causing fires and ca- what does any of it do the only one doing anything is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a person who ponders they realize Allah ta'ala is the only one doing any of these things all of these things are pointers that remind people of Allah ta'ala but from the Ashraf, from the highest and from the most noble in their rank. Even though anyone can grab a hold of any of these things and still get to Allah Ta'ala, is what this Qur'an that was brought into this world. And the Dalil of it is the person who follows this Qur'an no longer kills. The Dalil is the person who follows this Qur'an no longer steals. The The person who follows this Qur'an no longer lies. The person who follows this Qur'an no longer cheats. The person who follows this Qur'an does everything that a person knows is good and abstains from everything a person they know is bad the only person who hates the person who follows this Quran is the one who hates goodness themselves and even then it's takabur it's iblisism why? because they say I like people to do that good to me but I don't want to do that good to anybody else I don't want anyone to force that person to do that good to me so I wanted to talk about just one small thing because obviously all of these things are the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala a person is illiterate and unable to read Alif, Ba, you know roast beef sandwich, they don't know the difference between any of these things. They can still remember Allah Ta'ala, they can still take a path to Him. But in particular, the immense barakah of this Quran that's connected with this month, the tajalli of which comes down from Allah Ta'ala in this month, because of which the fasting is more than just fasting would have been. Even though fasting was the sign of the righteous in every ummah until this one. It gets increased. Why? Because all of your good deeds are a wird. What are they? They're like a net you catch. They're a place where the tajalli comes and that you can accept it and receive it. So a person who does a little bit of good in Ramadan will catch a little bit of that that tajalli. A person who does a lot of good things will catch a lot of that tajalli. So the Ramadan is part of that net. That sail that's there to catch the wind. The taraweeh is part of the sail that's there to catch that wind. The sadaqah and generosity is part of the sail that's there to catch that wind. What is also part of it is the recitation of the Quran. And it's connected with fasting and it's connected with Ramadan. First, because Shah Ramadan is uh, unzila fihi al Quran, so it's the reason for all of this khair and barakah to come. And with it, also, there are a number of other qara'in. The hadith of the Prophet hadith Qudsi. That on the day of judgment, fasting in the Quran will come and argue on behalf of the uh, 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 on behalf of the person getting judged. So you'll be in the middle of your judgment. I'll be in the middle of my just, judgment. It will be going good. It will be going not so good. That's how those things go. Because math is kind of like that. Like it's you know. It is what it is. It's not going to uh, be in your favor or against you. It's just going to show you what's there. And so they'll be intercessioners. They'll come in a anthropomorphized form, and the fasting will come and say, "Ya Allah, all of this, you know, accounting that's happening." Just forgive him. Why the idea is that the fasting will have a, a, a noble maqam with Allah Ta'ala and he'll be allowed to cut in. من الَّذِي عِنْدَهُ إلا بإذنه Who's the one who can intercede with Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala except for with His permission. That obviously fasting is something Allah Ta'ala honoured. The recitation of the Qur'an is something Allah Ta'ala honoured. So they're given the ability to intercede with Him, with him Jalla Wa Ala in the middle of Someone's accounting. So the fasting will say that this person gave up their food for me. And the recitation of the Qur'an will say this person gave up their sleep for me. Because Ramadan, if there's something other than hunger that a person goes through, what is it? You lose sleep. The idea is that the taraweeh is supposed to be much of the night. You're going to lose sleep from the recitation of the Qur'an. Whether it's the taraweeh, whether it's you opening the mushaf and reading from it, whether it's you reciting the thing that you know from memory, the best way of reciting the Qur'an is what? It's in the salat. Then afterward, if a person cannot do it, then they read, they read from the mushaf or from their memory or whatever, and all of those things will cause you to lose sleep. That they'll cut into your hisab, and when it's not going your way, they will time out and just ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to tilt the hisab in your favor, or to admit those things that are going against you. That what is the munasaba of this Qur'an with the month of Ramadan? Is that the that, that thing, they come hand in hand, a person has to understand that, and they have to stack their Ramadan with the recitation of the Qur'an. You have to get over the, the feeling of being a kid, having to go to class, or having to read your Qari or having to whatever... You have to get over for some of us that weren't fortunate. The ones who were beaten by our Qadisah, mashallah are very fortunate. The ones who didn't have anyone to teach us, we don't even have that much habit from before. We have to force ourselves to do it. It's difficult. When you have to learn how to read as an adult, it's difficult. You stutter. You don't have that nice ebb and flow that you hear somebody who reads with Fluency. I myself suffer from this thing. You guys hear it every week. You're the few people who like, put up with it. I myself suffer from it. I stutter. It's difficult for me to read the Qur'an. It's difficult for me to read Arabic and to comprehend it like visually. It's difficult. It's difficult also in speech, but for other reasons. But you have to struggle and push and hustle and get through it just to get those couple of moments. And the person who is able to should at least finish one recitation in the month the person who can do so should finish two recitations, three recitations. What was the Ramadan of the mashaykh that we saw? There are those who finish the Qur'an once a day. Those are those who finish the Qur'an more than once a day. We've seen those people. They're still alive. You can like still meet them. There are people like that in Chicago, mashallah. There are people who... their are that they finish every three days. They finish every seven days. These things are very armed. They're very normal. If you're not there yet, but you have to write for yourself some time... And take every spare moment. This is how, because we are talking about like the Soma of the khusus and the khusus of khusus. How are you going to get to that point? One of the best ways of keeping haram out of your eyes, ears, mouth and tongue is to give your eyes, ears, mouth and tongue so much to do that they don't have time for other things. A person cannot wonder about Teslas and about real estate prices and about Politics and about this and that. They can't wonder about that. And if they're struggling to read and they can't even read fluently, they're going to have even less leeway in order to let their mind wander and recite on autopilot. So in some sense, it's actually a blessing. But a person has to hustle to get through every harf that they should get every harf in the Qur'an in their mouth Every time they do it, if they can do it once, they should do it once, twice, three times, four times, they should do it again and again. These are the things that are simultaneously. They teach you fiqh simultaneously, they teach you achidah simultaneously. They're your Tasof, they're your Taraqi. They're everything that you wanted, everything that you ever needed. So I wanted to share because if you look at the title of the talk, it's the Ramadan is the spring of the hearts. Spiritual revolution. Why? Because what was the, the Arab revolution? It was the Arab Spring. I'll let you judge what your opinions are about it. We can drink guayusa and Yerba Mate afterward and discuss what our opinions are about that. No need for me to comment. Maybe some of you know more about it than me. But the revolution doesn't start from protesting outside. It doesn't start through economic boycotts it doesn't start through political candidates, it doesn't start through fighting and war. I'm an advocate of all of these things in the right time and place. And I say whoever is a pacifist and who says that you never do any of these things, this person is a shaitan who's like trying to sing you a lullaby and put you to sleep. But still you have to understand, you have to understand, connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is superior than connecting with physical means. Allah is the thing that makes things happen. Physical things, means are not the things that make things happen. It's part of the beauty of things that when Allah decrees a thing to happen, it happens in such a way a person thinks there's no other way this could have happened. All the pieces fit together. It's perfect. It's like art. It's art. It's a beauty that a person couldn't put together even if they wanted to. So, in the moment when you look and see the way the planets are and the way the atoms are, all of these things, it's beautiful even though you know every single item amongst them is suffering from the same chaos that you and me are physically, going through the same decay that we're going through, but there's a beauty in it. Why? Because when Allah Ta'ala decrees a matter, it happens so perfectly, a person thinks that it happened on its own. But only a fool would think that that level of beauty is possible without some sort of fi'l bil-akhtiyar. Some sort of doing by choice. So if a person wants to bring the revolution into their life, You have to first bring it from the bottom up. The Rasul sallallahu alayhi did that with his companions, radiallahu anhum. They were the most uneducated, the most hapless, the most weak, the most unprepared people in the history of mankind. They had many good things about them. I'm not trying to say that they were bad people. They were actually, they had many good things. But from material means, they had nothing in their favor when looked at the Persians, the Romans, the Egyptians, all the other civilizations of the ancient world. What they had, they had this thing. They literally used to refer to their own past as, what? Jahiliya, ignorance, the age of ignorance. And Allah Ta'ala, through this thing, made them such people that they ruled the East and they ruled the West. We're talking about Sicily and Spain, and we're talking about uh, Morocco and Mauritania and we're talking about Sudan and we're talking about Malaysia and Indonesia you're going from couscous to like uh, nasi goreng and everything in the middle unless the person think that was just a fluke sometimes things happen one time and then it's done right it's a flash in the pan in the east in the west fighting the mongols fighting the crusaders fighting all of these difficulties the brunt of the Black Plague came on the Muslim lands. The brunt of the Mongols came on the Muslim lands. The brunt of all of these difficulties came on the Muslim lands. The Farinjah, their forefathers completely owned and enslaved our forefathers. Such a slavery, our people as like nations are still not free of it. Why is it that no one is accepting their deen and they're accepting our deen? There's something there that's more subtle and more powerful than what? Then physical asbab, and I just wanted to share this one thing. You guys sit, whoever, mashallah, comes here and forces yourself to sit in this majlis, and I stutter through, and sometimes I forget, and sometimes I misplace things, and I just that I, I read my duas. You know, like the last dua that I read, like you're like, oh man, I'm about to fall asleep. I got work tomorrow, got this and that, and the one light at the end of the tunnel. His dua is almost over. اللهم إني عبدك وابن عبدك وابن أمتك ناصيتي بيدك ماض في حكمك عدل في قضاءك أسألك بكل اسم هو لك سميت به نفسك وانزلته في كتابك وعلمته أحد من خلقك واستأثرت به في علم الغيب عندك أن تجعل القرآن الكريم ربيع قلبي ونور بصري وجلاء حزني وذهاب همي أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام It's narrated from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم such a dua, I'll tell you about a friend of mine. He grew up in a communist country where there is no Jumu'ah, where there's no Adhan, there's no Masajid, there's no Janazas, there's no Ramadan, there's nothing. When you die, you get buried in the same graveyard as a Kafir, and you go to school, and they tell you you're a descendant of an ape this is how they describe it themselves and you don't talk about religion unless you want to go to a gulag when he had opportunity he left home smuggled himself, everyone's trying to get out of Afghanistan, well at least they were until relatively recently, smuggled himself in those days into Afghanistan and then into Pakistan, everyone's trying to get the hell out of Pakistan, he smuggled himself into Pakistan imagine illegal immigrant to where? first to Afghanistan and then to Pakistan, subhanallah, someone should explain to this guy, you immigrate other places, all of the danger, for what, so that he can learn the deen of Allah Ta'ala, he said I showed up to madrasa in jeans and a t-shirt, he said people were looking at me, it wasn't that I was trying to be cool or modern, everyone thought we were trying to be cool. He goes, I felt like I was like ashamed. I felt like, why, like you know, because I see everyone else wearing shalwar khamis. By the way, that's something our forefathers learned from the Uzbeks and from the uh, Central Asians, from the Sogdians and the Persians. And that, that's what they used to wear. That's their, although shalwar khamis is not the, the native dress of the people of the subcontinent. You ever seen what Gandhi used to wear? Like he had that weird dhoti tied up like underwear and would walk around in it. That's what, they, that's what they used to wear. You see even their, you know, one would expect that, you know, but they're like weird jinns and stuff they worship that they call gods even then they have that thing tied up none of them have a shirt on do they? when their priests walk around with topis and with like turbans they learn that from us that's like fake otherwise they used to have sadhus that used to walk around naked like with no clothes on at all that's what they consider to be like level 7 taqwa, like super taqwa spirituality or whatever. Not taqwa, whatever they, their thing is, their spiritual thing is. That's what they used to look up to. So these, so these guys are from those places that brought this dignity to the subcontinent, right? Modiji, even he won't dress like that. Even he will dress in the Central Asian dress, right? Because it's dignified. He's like, we felt like we, we... They all thought we were trying to be cool, wearing jeans and a t-shirt and the madrasa. He goes, it was nothing. It's just we were like broken. That's what we escaped with. So these guys went through their madrasa one by one by one by one by one. Told all sorts of heartbreaking stories of poverty, loneliness. They never saw their parents. 20 years, they never saw their parents. They said, my parents came for hajj. Somehow they made it to hajj. And we got a call and we... Got a visa through some connections to go to uh, Arabia. And he said, We just saw each other for 15 minutes and cried because some of these communist, post communist countries, they have like literally government minders that will. He said that there are more muhabarat with the Hajj group than there are actually Hajjaj. There are more government minders and informants than there are actually people there to perform the pilgrimage. He said, because of that, the minders figured out what happened. They sent my parents home before the hajj happened. They said, we flew home on a hajj flight. Only two, they they only flew, the two of them were sitting in the plane. Nobody else was coming because they first take the pilgrims to hajj and then they take them back on hajj flights. there There was almost an empty plane. So imagine how much difficulty someone like that went through. People are like, oh my Kharisab was mean to me or this or that you know there are people who went through a lot of difficulty in order to get some modicum of deen this man uh, he because I learned some Uzbek in in college and university I tried speaking with him because they're from Central Asia he said well you remember you did that one time then I didn't see him again for like years he's like you remember you spoke Uzbek with me on that one day he's like yeah he goes I got creeped out of my mind. He said, I, that's it. The KGB sent someone to kill me. This guy's like flexing on me. When, when do you see a Pakistani walking around speaking Uzbek? I learned it at a university because they needed translators for uh, after 9-11. So they said, whoever wants to learn Uzbek, it's free. i would never worked as a translator for, for really anyone uh, except for maybe Mufti Palanpuri. And, uh, but, uh, and I, that was a volunteer job. But uh, you can imagine... He said, I only saw you coming and going from class and in the majlis of the, madala, uh, the ulama for a long time. Then I thought, I'm being paranoid. Maybe this guy's legit, you know, his story checks out. So we, you know, we had some chance to hang out. We had some chance to meet. We were there. We went, went and met him, mashallah. One of the things he said in that majlis was what? He said, out of all of my experiences, if people asked me to like summarize it, one of the things I would tell them is what? This dua, this dua, If nothing else, this du'a could only have been said by a Nabi He said, if you have no no other thing that you can tell somebody What is the Dalala of the Prophet ﷺ's It's this du'a because this du'a made me survive through very dark days He said, when I wanted to get married I asked my sheikh Because they're like you know they're human beings they came as teenagers they've been studying for 10 years teaching for 5 years that's they want to get married they you know but they have nobody to like show face with so he says don't worry we'll pay your mahar go find a bride inshallah we'll find some brothers who will pay your mahar just find a bride who will marry you go find amongst your qom and uh, we'll we'll make it happen they said we went to our koum nobody would give their daughters to us we got heartbroken and frustrated and one day the sheikh asked what how's it going he goes, nobody, you know, we're not getting anywhere with anyone. He said, Bitya, I, n- I knew this was going to happen. I just wanted you to see for yourself just so you don't say afterward, we, you know, afterward that, oh, I should have married someone from my home. They forced me to marry a Pakistani <laughs> because I knew none of them will give you their daughter. So don't worry, we'll find you someone. You don't need to worry about this. These are the guys. These are the guys. They were telling the, the, that, that what? This dua, this is the one that, this is the dua that let me survive. To all of my difficulties. And what is it? Oh Allah, I am your slave and the son of your slave man and the son of your slave woman. Allahumma inni abduka wa abnu abdika wa abnu amatik. I am the son of your slave man and the son of your slave woman. Nasiyati biyadik. My forelock is in your hand. Meaning what? You can drag someone around by the face. You, they're completely. You're completely hapless in front of them. You you have the power if you want to You drag me around by my face Whatever your command is That's what's going to come to pass in me I have no justice other than What you give to me I ask you by every name that you have The name of Allah Ta'ala Is a great thing The names of Allah Ta'ala are great things As many languages as there are, there are names of Allah Ta'ala, the languages of the birds and of the the animals, all of them are great. The languages of things that we don't think can speak. In this realm, we don't hear their speech, but in another realm, even they speak the praise of Allah Ta'ala. All of them are great, all of them call to Allah Ta'ala, and that's the link between them and Allah's madad without which matter doesn't exist on its own, energy doesn't exist, nothing exists on its own. So, I ask you from all of these names, not just the 99 or the ones we know in Arabic or the ones that are, you know. Imagine how pay, we're talking about the kuffar, they, how bereft and how completely deprived they are of the ma'rifah of Allah Ta'ala. That you have in this country, pastors will get up, they worship Allah and we worship God. I go, Khuda ke what, what kind of stupid thing is this to say? The word God is a Germanic word, it's not, it's not even Greek. Much less anything from the Anbiya alayhi wasalam that you learned. And the idea that you, you don't even know Allah Ta'ala's name that's in your own scripture and you... What is this? Rather we know Allah Ta'ala has so many names. Someone says, I ask Allah, there's from them is the ism A'zam. That name if a person calls on Allah Ta'ala by it, Allah Ta'ala answers them immediately. Salafi, Sufi, Mambo jumbo. It's in Sahih Hadith including the ism all of Allah Ta'ala's names that are known and unknown. lak. I ask you by every name that you possess, that you named yourself. Or you sent down in your book. Or that you taught to even one of your creation. There are some names only Allah taught one, nobody else knows them. Or you preferred yourself against all of the creation and you kept the knowledge of that name only with you and you, no one will ever know it except for you. I ask you by all of these names. What, what dua will a person ask? They have an opportunity to ask, what will they ask? When تجعل الْقُرْآنِ الْكَرِيمَ قَلْبِي That you make the Qur'an the spring of... The Arabs? That you make the Qur'an the spring of my heart. This is the opportunity, this is the Ramadan, this is the request for others, and also maybe because I huff and puff about these things in front of others, maybe I'll feel some shame and push myself as well. That the Qur'an is the spring of the heart. A person starts reading... You understand, you don't understand, how much do you understand, how little do you understand? The thing is that your mind has all kind of like static and flack inside of it. And your heart has all kind of static and flack inside of it. Much of Ramadan is wasted. People make toba from ahead of time. Much of it is wasted just kind of getting rid of the after effects of the sin. Because the heart is clean. Once it's clean and it's, the bottle is open, and then the khair pours in very quickly. So, but if you didn't prepare for it, then it, a lot of it, you're sitting there reading and you're like getting bored and you're getting, you know, like uh, agitated and you're getting, you know, uh, annoyed and you're this and you're that. What is it? It's the bad feeling of all of that nonsense getting pushed out. The Salak, when he goes, uh, uh, when, he, when he oscillates between good states and bad states, which happens, I guess, more nowadays because there's so much bad around us and because we've also become so lazy with our saluk. What ends up happening? Some bad thoughts come to you in Ramadan. Can't blame the shaitan like we talked about from before. Such horrible thoughts come to a person. What is it? It's just a slag coming out because what's happened to you? A blacksmith, what does he do? He heats the iron, the, the iron up. Then he hits it with the, with the hammer, right? And then the sparks fly off of it. You can watch these things on YouTube, inshallah, if you want to. Go watch like a blacksmith. There's... Crap that falls off the sides. Chabath—it's literally called like 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 impurity. There's khabath that falls off the side of it, right? It's not the khabath like from a human being or from an animal or whatever, right? What is it? It's slag. It's all of the it's all of the uh, things in the iron other than the iron that are burning up and falling out the sides. And when you hit it, it basically pushes it out the, out of the crystalline matrix of the metal. So what's happening is that the ramadan has come you started sitting down to read the iron has become hot and now what's going to happen you're going to experience the slag falling to the side don't have these thoughts and don't have these experiences and then think oh i'm a bad person or maybe i'm not really into it or this is not working the more slag you have the longer you have to you're going to have to tunnel through it in order to get to the point where that metal is pure I promise you if you have only 30 seconds, 15 seconds, 10 seconds, one second, an instant of that purity in your feeling, you'll say all of this, all of the difficulties I went through my life, all of the hardships I went through the life, all of the fasting, all of the salat, waking up for five, all of it was 100% worth it. This is the hawk. What's the problem? So much impurity. So we're going to have to work all that much harder to get the slag out. Because either we ourselves or somebody in our family decided let's move to America some other people who were making decisions were like, hey, let's become an Arab Socialist Republic instead of like, I don't know, following the Kitab and Sunnah. Someone's like, oh, those, the Turks don't want to get along with Arabs. Arabs don't want to get along with this, this, this person, that person, that Everyone, you know, if I steal from him, he's going to steal from me tomorrow. Anyway, everyone made these decisions now. We're in the p- place that we're in. But there's no... You know, like the Yom al it's not like a food court. You basically have only two options you can go to. And really, one of them is not really an option. So you only have one place you can go. You have to put in the time and effort, the energy. What I'm telling you is this very Ramadan, you guys are pious people, that's why you're here, so you probably experience it all the time anyway, whether it's Ramadan or not. But if a person needs reminding, because I need reminding as well, because you dip in and out of these states, and then when you're in it, you think there's nothing else, that why would anyone ever want to disobey Allah Taala? And when you're out of it, you're like, well, who's gonna ever <laughs> follow all of this Islam stuff, right? You forget what it's like to be on the other side. So let's remember together that what this was the du'a of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam after all of these Quran al Karima rabia That Ya Allah make this uh, generous Quran, this is a noble Quran, the spring of my heart. And make it the light of my vision that shows me like what to do because people have all sorts of choices. God knows, you know, should I take the vaccine? Should I not? Already a million wasawis have afflicted every single one of us in this majlis. And that's just like, that was like in the past. God knows what kind of weird things are going to come up in the future. And the, the thing that that, 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 that that allows me to transcend my depression haba حَمِّ and the thing that that allows me to cast away my anxieties about the future my husan from the past and my ham in the future this is a medicine a person should take All the modern, like, whatever, uh, therapy commercials and whatever will be like, well, you know, you can't replace a doctor. Okay, fine, if you have a clinical issue, go to a licensed therapist. I'm not talking about that. If you're just a normal person, and you have issues, you know what, good for you. If you're not depressed nowadays, you may not be paying attention. Your aql may not function properly. If you think this is depressing imagine growing up with like in Jahiliya. If you think the arabs at your masjid are crazy Imagine their forefathers plus drinking alcohol plus worshiping idols It's not just them like ours were crazy too but they're probably weak sauce like the arabs would have like, put them down so it's a little more you know It's seriously like a good old oh, man you think uh, you think they, like Muslim daisies are annoying? Go 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 to the party of like uh, you know the average Hindu and Sikh household. Their their men are all drunk to the to the la- to the tea. My father attended a party one time. I shouldn't have said that. Allah forgive all of us and our parents. I mean, he said when he was leaving because he didn't drink. Obviously, he's not going to. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. He shouldn't have attended because the company, but he himself didn't. Whatever, he didn't eat anything, drink anything. And so, when he was leaving, because everyone's drunk, he said, "One of the sickening aunties, she's like, guys, she was, to there? So you guys don't get drunk." He's like, "No." So see because you guys don't get like, you guys don't get drunk, drunk and beat your wives up. Literally, beat up your women he's like no so she was kind of intrigued by the concept and he just went off into the night (laughs) how are you going to get over that a billion of these people here and a billion of those people there but look our forefathers did it at the end of the day nobody goes to visit the monkey temple what do they go visit? Taj Mahal the Red Fort Badshahi Masjid not only can they make it, not only can they survive, they found beauty in their life. All of these madars were built like, like small islands in like an ocean of hostile idolaters. You can survive, you can thrive, you can be successful, you'll find beauty in this life and in the hereafter. But the thing is, you have to build the revolution step by step according to this particular plan. If you try to wing it and do it on your own, take your own shortcuts... It's not going to work, and even if it is successful, it's still going to be failure. Because it will be all of that type, all of it destined to live and die in this world and perish in this world, has no nasib from the hereafter. This is my recommendation to others, this is my recommendation to myself, to my beloved children who are here, and to my honored and noble brothers and sisters who came to visit, that have this idea that I'm going to read the Qur'an as much as I can, outside of my prayers and outside of my uh, fasting that I'm going to listen to it in the taraweeh and that I'm going to recite it from the mushaf myself in my free time in my free moments if a person can't read like 17 khatams or whatever I myself read so slow sometimes because I have to travel and do all these other things in my own slowness in my own laziness whatever I finish one I finish two I finish three I think the maximum I ever did was something in that neighborhood between three and four even like I sequester myself into a room I still can't read more than that because of how slowly I read but still these are experiences a person reads and you don't know Ajib it will surprise you which verse you'll read which name of the Anbiya alayhim salam you'll read which strange things you'll read and it will bring a tear to your eye it will bring joy to your heart you don't know which thing will happen and it will like be like that strike from the hammer it will hit your heart in such a way all the slag will be cast aside and you'll have five minutes of purity. That's like really important. You know those people who did 40 years? Okay, that's a long way away. Let's have five minutes. Let's have a minute. Let's have five seconds. Let's have a second, a moment of it. And we can say that, look, we... Ya Allah, at least we were Muslim for a second of our life. So forget about the rest of it and accept this one second from us. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq. Wa sallallahu ta'ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.